0: There's so many things you, you can do that each little thing will help you manage this illness. You know, like self-care is huge to find those activities that soothe you and whether you're doing support groups or go on surfing. Um, you basically, especially when you're in a depressive mood, have to force yourself to do the things you normally enjoy mm. that will give you a little lift, even if just for a little bit to help you through each day.
1: That was Brett Hardy and this, is the Running Deep Podcast. Welcome back to this week's episode of the Running Deep Podcast with me, your host, Kent Mullins. All right, I know without, you you don't have to say anything, I get it. There has been a bit of a wait between episodes and I know, I wish I could get these done every week. I wish I could get these done every second week, but at the moment with university studies, I can't. However, I'm doing the best I can, so please bear with me. <laughs> um, look, I'll keep this short. This week's episode is with Brett Hardy, a uh, very good friend of mine, um, a now author. He has been, you know, someone I've I've, I've grown up with, um, you know, from, from a very young age, around 16, 17, To you know, I'm 26 now, so you know, many many years we've uh, we've known each other, and you know we've seen we've both seen, and we've both had friends who have been caught up in mental health issues, um, some who haven't come out the other end to tell the story, and some who have. So yeah, look, I'll just tell you now. There's a bit of a trigger warning with um, you know Brett's family life, um, you know, and, and you'll find out. Some people are dealt a pretty shit hand in life and, and, and Brett was one of these people who doesn't deserve it. but you know with what he's doing now, he just uh, released his book that I will uh, put in the show notes. Uh, it is called Brett Polar. Uh, and it's just a you know a little biography of, of Brett's life and what he's been through growing up in Western Australia, Margaret River area. But yeah, I'll keep this all for the podcast. We do go deep. It takes a bit to get into, get warmed up, but overall, it was a great conversation. Enjoy the episode. Uh-huh. We are recording. Um, so it Brett. Means. Thank you so <laughs> thank you so much for uh coming on the podcast at such late notice and um yeah, doing this. Pleasure, Matt.
0: So yeah, look, no, uh, dig what you do and um the movement you got started. And yeah, yeah, it's such a noble thing to do a uh, you know, voluntary gig to support others.
1: Yeah, I uh, appreciate that. <laughs> <Good> work, <mate. laughs> um so we've known or just a bit of context for my um for my audience as I spoke to you the other day. You know, we are you know millennial sufferers and to give context into our relationship, I think you know just to tell them is that you know we Brett and I have known each other for a very, very long time, um, a couple of years now. And you know, eight well, see... to be
0: precise.
1: How many? Eight. Jesus, Christ, that's so that's so long ago. <laughs> yeah. Um so quick. yeah, we, we we've been through the ringer with you know friends and and whatnot. And we, we we've seen the worst of people, uh especially growing up around that uh In that Chugan area. Um,
0: Represent. Yeah.
1: Um, So, look, how I want to start this off, if you haven't, if you have or haven't um, listened to an episode before, I want to take a step back and give context to the audience of who you are as a person. Um, And I I sort of want to segue that into your recent book. Uh, So, if you want to, you know, growing up in Western Australia, what was that like in the sense of, you know, surfing, bodyboarding? What was that lifestyle like? Because there's a, there's a massive um, difference in from, you know, that surfy, cool, laid-back lifestyle to what you've done now, especially with releasing a book. So, yeah, there, there's got to be – there's a lot in between there and that's what I want to fill the gap with. So, yeah, if you want to – Yeah, well,
0: yeah, for me personally, it, it, it feels like, you know, sort of pre – 2000s and post 2000s was two completely different surf worlds like i look back at the like 80s and 90s is like this nostalgic kind of mystical place where there was just awesome waves not many crowds in comparison to now uh no sharks um and just a small country town in margaret river where i grew up you know where it was you knew everyone and uh it still had that sort of you know small town feel
2: yeah
0: uh whereas you know going into sort of 2000s 2010 and beyond it's a whole different place to me it's it's like the population has tripled there's you know there's dominoes going into the main street and there's three different mm. schools probably more now and yeah it's, it's sort of like this future world like you know futurama new cars buzzing around you know the rusty mm. fords and the holton wagons are gone and they've been <laughs> replaced with Audi SUVs and Range Rovers and Mm. I guess, you know, it's just the passage of time, like you can't fight it. Uh, You just sort of roll with it and, you know, you you remember what it was like and compare it to now and you kind of, you know, you have that inside knowledge that the younger crew don't know about. They just sort of Mm. accept this, you know, post-2000s world as reality. And um, I guess us old fellas have to as well.
2: Mm.
1: And um, I I think... I get a bit of, even though I'm not as old, like I still, even in Tugan, you know, growing up there, you see all the footpaths going in, you see these new high rises going through Palm Beach and that. And you're sort of going, oh, uh, you know, the younger crew don't really understand, like, the, you know, we, we're the crew that were brought up here. And then you go, exactly that. Like, all, all everything's being modernized. And it's like, oh, okay, well, I am getting older. Like,
0: yeah, yeah. Look out. At- yeah, Gold Coast, it seems to happen quicker there too. Like, you know, our mate Liam was telling me how Palm Beach has suddenly become this hipster oh, sort yeah. of popular place. And, you know, I remember it as, as, you know, like the cash converted Centrelink ghetto that you kind yeah. of used to pee your pants walking through. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, is, is that, um, would you say that Gold Coast develops quicker than other places? Yeah. Um,
1: from what I've seen, I think it's just a cash grab for a lot of people coming into state, especially with COVID and everything that that happened in between. Um, I think everyone's gone. Gold Coast is a place to be. It's a you know beach town. Who wouldn't want to be there? Why don't we develop the whole beach yeah. part of it? But it, it is what it is, and yeah. no, I'm not really living there at the moment, so we've moved away into um, Reading. Oh,
0: through, back on the Gold Coast.
1: Oh no, I'm back on the Gold Coast. I am just living um out at Reedy Creek. So whilst I'm at uni, uh
0: ah.
1: no, my old
0: so, stomping grounds in the rang. Yeah, pretty much. Um right, yeah, hiding. <laughs>
1: so, you know, uh, talking about, you know, the beach and 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 surf culture, you you're brought up in surf culture, you're brought up around that. And I remember especially with you, you were the only one to pretty much be pro in both. Surfing and bodyboarding.
0: That was actually my older brother.
1: No, Uh, that's your older brother. So you were the one. Who was the one that got the um the was that you with the the magazine? You got the front page of
0: yeah. So yeah, my older brother Gene still holds the record as the only surfer to have a cover of a stand up magazine and a bodyboard magazine. And you were which was ripped ripped tight in surfing life.
1: And you've got three (laughs) brothers. No, oh, sorry. Yeah. You, Ryan, and
0: Gene. Uh, so Gene's the one uh, on the covers that we just talked about, and then I've got an older brother, Josh. How, wait, how many are there of you? <laughs> Get this every interview. Uh, four in total. I didn't. I always thought there was three.
2: Oh, okay. Everyone
0: does. Yeah. Oh. You know, Josh was sort of the intellectual type that never pursued the surfing career like, the other three of us did, yeah. And so every, every magazine said the three brothers, you know, the, the 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 surfing boys, and then there was just this forgotten Hardy, as we affectionately called him, because he was never mentioned in the articles. But he was the oldest brother, that kind of um, the older, wiser, kind yeah. of you know, intellectual guy that just sort of lurked in the shadows.
2: Yeah,
1: yeah. So let let's skip this forward. So you release this book so first first of all congratulations on that you know Cheers, that's no small feat like that would have taken a quite a while and and that is a question yeah. i was going to ask how what is the process of writing a book like how, what does that look
0: like yeah well, you know i've kind of quantified it down to the stats where basically yeah you know, it's 20 years of my life in the book hmm. it took two weeks to write and two years to publish so oh that's the numbers shit um, yeah yeah so interesting you know obviously living it was epic but tough writing it was a piece of cake like i just absolutely loved um you know going from that so sort of chronology of 2000 to 2020 mm. it was just like reliving my entire um you know midlife or whatever you call it and then yeah, the publishing process was the the hardest
2: and what we have yeah, publish,
0: publishers publish, publishers are in the uk and it's, it's a constant process of emails back and forth and because they're so busy with so many books it's it's like just the most, most painstaking process but then to get the final um product in your hands is pretty cool
1: yeah and what did you know especially i know you were saying you don't really you're not in too much contact with your family right now and we don't have to touch on that and what did they say when you released this book on your life? Of course, you, you said you didn't go into too much detail about them because it was your story, but what was yeah, their um, initial, or what was yeah, everyone's enough, initial?
0: Yeah, Chris. Yeah, no, that's right. I'll delve in. Um, <clears throat> so, you know, I separated from my family about three years ago, which most people are aware of. And funnily enough, I had a book launch in Margaret River about two weeks ago that coincided with Margaret Pro, and yeah, my older brother Josh turned up just uh, surprised me out of the blue which was really cool like you know i hadn't seen him for three years and we've always gotten along really well it was kind of more the family unit that i'd separated from so it's um a cool reaction from him because you know he came in like he's sort of a just a reader gave him a, an autograph a little spiel in the book and then he sort of he keeps in contact with my partner uh, it, it's yeah it's kind of a Bizarre situation to explain, but yeah, he basically sort of passed on the message that it was it was really emotional for him, and he didn't know a lot of the stuff that I'd written about in the book. Mm. And uh, I, I think the family might have been a bit worried that I'd you know, ragged them out in this book, like it was some tell all, like Matthew McConaughey, and my brother, pissed on me <laughs> in yeah. TV but it was more like my story, you know, it was sort of completely separate from the family, and they had nothing to worry about, you know, it was this. The story of me, that side of the family,
2: mm. Mm.
1: and you know that's where I want to sort of dive into, especially this being sort of like a mental health podcast. You know, you called it. I didn't know this either, by the way. Yeah, this I found out this through reading bits of uh, what you wrote. um You know, you called it Brett Polar, and yeah. You know, and you, you're saying that you were diagnosed with bipolar from a very young age, or 24, I think.
0: Yeah, that was the official diagnosis, yep. And,
1: you know, and especially with this podcast, I find it hard. I can, I can relate to men, mental health in the sense of anxiety and depression. Um, you know, bipolar is a whole... I've had people come to me and ask, you know, I've got bipolar and I don't know what to do. And I'm like, well... I'm sorry. I don't have I don't have anything to say because that's not that's not what I've you know been diagnosed with. So yeah, what is what exactly what, what is your description and sense of bipolar? What is it and what is it to you?
0: Well, it's pretty uh, easy to explain it in layman's terms because the the clinical definition is your mood extremes that you know everyone experiences after a. A, a win of a surf contest, or, or the you know a, a, a relationship breaking up is you know you're going to be up or you're going to be down, mm-hmm. and after a week or so you're going to start to feel better and go about your life. Whereas with a bipolar episode, those mood extremes go for at least two weeks, mm. and can go for months, can go for years, and obviously progress into you know delusions and paranoia and end up in hospital or worse uh so that's sort of the clinical diagnosis where you can separate it from you know neurotypical people that have you know extreme moods for a week and bipolar people that when in episode they have these mood extremes for months
2: and And it's very hard
0: to try and just function as if nothing's wrong (laughs) yeah
1: and in your case that was that was it you know just major mood extremes and ups and downs and
2: yeah
1: back then again you're a lot older than me how (laughs) thanks no well well, i was i was like well it's true how old was i when shit i remember being uh you know in in that apartment with you when i was like 16 or something i was young Yeah,
0: so yeah yeah. i mean i was double your age yeah i was remember i turned 35 when i was living there so that's it and we went out i I don't really remember it but you might
1: (laughs) i've still got a photo anyway um you know growing up back in the day you know and and you you've got bipolar how did you regulate yourself how you know because you what there is now with mental health there wasn't back then so what what did you do to get through that, especially back then? Because we we didn't have, or you know, everything we have now with with the especially social media side of things.
0: What yeah, I think do? Cause, yeah. Cause the treatment. Well, you know, as far as our generation is concerned, the treatment's always been there. It's more like nowadays that like you're talking about. It's slowly opening up more to be talked about and the shame is slowly going you know the stigma is slowly yeah. going it's got a long way to go but um like i described before those episodes that, that can go for months and spiral into delusions and paranoia they obviously don't become that bad if you if you tr- if you manage it well like if you do all the, the sort of things you can to support yourself and obviously you know that starts with you know, psychiatry, counselling, medication, obviously. And then yeah. it, it, there's so many things you, you can do that each little thing will help you manage this illness. You know, like self-care is huge to find those activities that soothe you and whether you're doing support groups or go on surfing. Um, you basically, especially when you're in a depressive mood, have to force yourself to do the things you normally enjoy
2: mm.
0: that will give you a little lift, even if just for a little bit. To help you through each day, because when you know when you're struggling, that's you're literally just trying to survive that day.
2: Mm. Oh, and
1: I put those- that very well. Yeah, that's
0: that's really good. Yeah.
1: You know, I it's, it's it's a tough one. Like you know, especially with depression, and we've lost a close friend of ours um to suicide a few years ago. And you know, it, it's it's tough because you just don't know. You just don't know, and yeah. especially with Stevie, it was such a shock. I knew he, I knew he was in a dark place, but you know, not that dark enough to, to you know, kill himself.
0: Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know if I can talk about it personally. I'll just sort of relate it as if it's sort of you know any sort of person mm. that's taken their life. Like, uh, it's often hard to believe you, you just think no they they didn't suffer that they were really strong tough people that do have to look after themselves and so then when it happens
2: mm.
0: it's like no he didn't do that it's like someone else pushed him or pressured him or
2: mm.
0: you know it's that denial mm. because it's hidden mm. and it keeps happening. That's the scary thing. Like uh you think there's you know there's all this awareness out there and all this support but if you don't reach out And embrace that support. Then, you know, it's still going to happen.
2: Mm.
1: I and and yeah, it's as you said. I think we've got a long way to go, a very very long way to go. And you know, I've said this in previous episodes, and I'll keep saying it. It's I don't think it's enough for awareness. You know, it's it's all well and good. There's so much awareness out there. Everyone knows what depression, anxiety, you know, suicidal tendencies are. But how do you get people talking about it? Like, how do you get old mate who works in the minds to talk about it? How do you get people who have been brought up not to talk about it to suddenly talk about it? And this is a, I think it's a general, and, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, and this is a personal opinion, but I think it's a generational thing. And what I've said in the past is it's, there's a lot of generational trauma being passed on from family, friends of family. And I don't know, because of your generation, this is just what I've been reading as well. You weren't yeah. allowed to talk about it back then. You weren't. You just weren't. Oh, yeah, It was yeah. just something that, you know, you did not talk about it. You, you know, you a lot of introspection, yeah. a lot of self-internalizing, and then, that in itself is is trauma. People don't look at it as trauma. That's trauma. You're not you're not talking about it, and you have oh, kids, sure. yeah. you have kids, you have a family, and you pass that. Don't talk about it. You want, in a roundabout way, they pass it on to their children. You know, of course, no, that's
0: a really good point. Yeah,
1: they want to give. You know, they want their kids to talk about it, but they themselves don't even have the tools necessary to talk about it. So the kids now are grown up going, oh, okay, I'm allowed to talk about it, but not not in a certain way in front of mum and dad or whatever. And that in itself is another generational trauma. So I think in the next, you know, two or three generations, right now, I don't think much is going to happen for our generation to be honest, I think, you know, we're going to pass it on and not going to be able to talk about it as much. But next generation will talk about it more and the next generation will talk about it more and then it will become, you know, yeah. vulnerability will be the way out of this.
0: And Yeah, I, you know, I um, think it's a sort of a, a slow curve that's going in the right direction. Um, obviously, like you said, the awareness is growing, but also, like you said, the biggest problem is reaching out for support. Mm-hmm. And I think that comes back to the old cliche of stigma, because you, you know your old mate on the mining site uh, is reluctant to say anything in, in case he's judged. Uh, and this comes back to what I was telling the other day. I was out surfing, and the, like two blokes came up to me separately and, and just congratulated me on not so much the book, but what I was doing. You know that mm-hmm. by sharing my story, that it's it's helped them because they've they're going through their own stuff and. They, they feel better. You know, you can see it in their smile. Like, they're just so grateful that someone else was going through something or talking about it. And the next step, I guess, is for people to reach out with no sort of hesitation. Mm. And, you know, that's what we've got to build towards. And it's gotten a lot better, for sure. Mm. Like, for, you know, yeah. past generations, um, you know, boomer generations, I'm sure that, reaching out would have been seen as a sign of weakness and mm-hmm. you're just told to harden up and you, you could only imagine what that would do for someone suffering anxiety mm-hmm. depression like like yeah we uh, you know we've come a long way to look at it positively and then mm-hmm. to be realistic we've got a lot a long way to go mm-hmm. so and yeah doing doing something like this man like this is exactly what is going in the right direction so yeah again mm-hmm. kudos on what you're doing
1: Yep. kudos to you as well because you know you have been dealt some pretty shit hands growing up you really really have um and you know as i i gonna bring this up a bit later but you know i think it goes to show who you are i think the people who have been hurt the most want to help the most that that's the way i've looked at it and not in the sense of physically hurt but emotionally hurt and i want to um you know touch on you know that and this is what when we spoke about yesterday you know that that life can throw a fucking curveball life can really really fuck you up in so many so many ways but in your case i want to touch on you know and we don't have to dwell there I want to give a you know more context to the audience that in your darkest days you can fucking get through. So you know where I'm going with this, especially with your, you know, what happened with with your dad. dad. If you want to explain and touch on that and just it goes to show who you are as a person. And I mean I mean this, I really mean this, is that That what happened to you and what you're doing now just proves my point of that you've got to do the work you you've got to internally do the work externally do the work and you and potentially write a fucking book for god's sake you but you just can't give up so yeah yeah it's it's a tough topic but it's something that i think for my
0: audience they would really get something out of yeah for sure um so trigger warning yeah i'll just try and um Trivialize the facts. So, oh, yeah, we don't. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, because the details are pretty grim and, you know, people can Google this yeah. stuff. But basically, um, you know, I thought I had a really strong, tight knit family. Uh, and then overnight, uh, my stepdad was murdered by my biological dad and my mum was grievously harmed and ended up in hospital. And my fucking world was ripped apart, (laughs) to put it bluntly. And, you know, my mental health wasn't the best going into that. So, like you said, I had to do an enormous amount of recovery and therapy and counselling and support groups and mostly just putting my health first, So, which in the end meant pushing the rest of my biological family out of my existence and bringing in the people that were supporting me Mm. and making me feel better, which is obviously my partner and her kids, you know, they were the most supportive and have helped me more than they'll ever know. So, but don't tell them that. (laughs) (laughs) And yeah, hopefully that hasn't, um, you know, triggered anyone and made them turn off the podcast. But, you know, this is what I've had to deal with and get through and that's what has inspired me to write the book because like you said uh those that have gone through the heaviest shit if they feel comfortable to share their story then please do because they're going to support others more than anything
1: and you know i've got two questions to back this up and i like i honor that like thank you for sharing that especially on a on a podcast like this um what i've got two questions and they're Sort of yin and yang. What, what does uh, what does your life ripped apart look like emotionally? What does what is yeah. that? What does that look like to you? And then my question to follow that and back that up is, what is self care to you? What is
0: it? Yeah. So, so two good questions, ben. um Yeah. So life ripped apart. I guess everything you took for granted is split into a million bits into the stratosphere like your family uh your lifestyle uh you know everything that you kind of grew up with your whole life uh is gone in an instant and you have to completely rebuild Mm. your life and well i guess what it looked like on the surface is uh, hibernation because Mm. you're so fragile from the trauma that I couldn't go out in public. I I, I could barely go surfing. I just didn't want to see people, especially people I knew. Uh, And so then you go into the self-care to get yourself through, which is basically, you know, little things you enjoy that are going to make you feel better in that moment, like watching, you know, Friends episodes for me, or uh, just lying on a comfortable couch, listening to soothing music, Obviously, you know, going for a surf somewhere quiet and being in the ocean, just anywhere that's going to, like, slow your mind down because you're ruminating thoughts of the trauma and mm. uh, and that, that sort of brain meltdown from everything that happened. You know, for me, that took a long time to sort of calm down. And obviously, you know, I'm, I'm affected for life and I have to accept mm. that and manage it and, and you know, when I'm feeling good, get back out there and have some fun and mm. support others, mm. enjoy life.
1: And, again, you know, uh, it's, a, it's a tough one to talk about because it is so traumatic, but you, you look at, and this is something I'm learning myself with everything that's going on with what I deal with. Is I've just got to take a, and look at life as it. It's as cliche as it sounds. Is like you, you, know, all you have is this moment here, now. That's it, you know. And everything that comes is a plus. Or you know, in your case, what happened to you wasn't the most amazing thing. But you know, you take, you look at the the love and compassion you got from your. Is it is it Tanya Tanya?
0: Tanya. Yep. Yeah, yeah.
1: You know, it just goes to show that even in your darkest moments, there is light
0: somewhere, somewhere. Uh, But you've just got to go. Yeah, and oh, so you know, that's the hardest thing to sort of hear when you're in oh, 100%. absolute depths. It's you, you don't want to hear that because you can't fathom it. Like, no, there is there is no light. But it's uh, you bet someone. In, it's almost better off, like, if it's someone you know, someone you trust, if, if they just say, Yeah, life's fucking shit. Like, how much does everything suck? And just sit there and, and dwell in that moment, and then maybe kind of coerce them into something fun, like going for a surf or, or playing a, a board game, or and just, you know, just sit with them in that shitty moment, and it's going to get them through. And it, eventually they're going to start feeling better. Oh, I just did it again. But you, do, you you know it's, it's you don't even know it. It's, it's like the weather passing over. You won't mm. sort of see it until the clouds are gone.
1: This episode is brought to you by Gooch Goo. Gooch Goo is a multi-use, unisex, anti-chafe barrier cream for ultra-distance athletes such as myself, triathletes, adventure racers, and any other sport where friction can occur. It's water-resistant, reef friendly and its antibacterial formula ensures that you stay active and away from the sidelines now Gucci has actually worked closely with some of the best professional athletes in australia to create the perfect solution to chafe which in turn came up with an all-purpose balm that may soothe repair and protect the skin during prolonged physical activity both in and out of the water now this is a personal preference of mine and, and one of the things I really like about this brand is that the chafe bums actually, you know, it, it's made with no nasties. So there's a lot of love that's put into it. And that only means it's made with premium organic ingredients, which I, I absolutely love. And, you know, if you know me, I use this stuff pretty much every single time I go for a run or a ride because I have... Big tree trunks as legs, so I, I chafe all the time, and this stuff has pretty much saved me from chafing. And you know, I, I look, I love the, I honestly love the stuff, and I wouldn't get uh, you know, a, a sponsor like Gooch Goo on if I if I didn't really truly believe in it. Now this brings me to the main point. Gooch Goo have kindly given you guys, the listeners a discount code for 10% off your total order, your entire order. So use the code, two words, running deep. That's one, running, two, deep, two words, at checkout for 10% off your total order. Two words, running deep, 10%, it's all yours. Get a discounted chafe balm. It's amazing stuff, guys. Why? Because chafing sucks. Now, Back to the show. Where I want to take this, um, in and pivot this in, into a more, I don't know, you could say positive manner, is um, your social work. So you you're a mental health social worker. Or
0: support worker. Support. Sorry. Support so worker. what is that? Yeah. I... <laughs> Um, you know, once I sort of recovered from the trauma we were just talking about, uh, one of my support group facilitators recommended I do this uh, certificate for mental health peer work
2: mm-hmm.
0: at college. So, uh, I went ahead and did that. It was, it was like, well, probably about two years in the end with all the, the placements and prac and stuff. And now I'm a qualified mental health support worker, yeah. And which I've, I've actually got lean more towards the disability support work. So it's not just mental health, you're also looking at, you know, learning disabilities, um, intellectual disabilities, mm-hmm. and it's fascinating, man. Like just all the different sort of, um, what did you say? Like disability that you're working with.
2: All the Yeah. It's
0: a huge range,
1: especially with learning about, uh, especially doing my psychology degree. I've, I'm so fascinated about what goes into cogn- cognition, just what what goes into us being able to do this, talking, anything, and then yeah. we're diving deep into why people are depressed, you know, why people are schizophrenic. What The whys is what I'm really, really interested in. Um, yeah now, you know, with, with support work, what does me- in the mental health,
0: context what does that what is that like what how do you yeah it's cool so you're kind of like a middleman between the clinicians you know your psychiatrists, psychologists, counselors who have you know mercilessly studied all that stuff you're talking about like the Mm. physiological side what goes on inside the brain the psychological side the mind Mm. Uh, and support workers they translate that to the clients Mm. you know because yeah you, know, you might be talking to graham working on the mining site and he's not going to relate to the psycho babble that the, his psychiatrist is going on about so you know he might reach out to you or someone else refers him to you and you can basically walk him through the mental health system so like okay where are you at um you know first step is to talk to your gp maybe get a referral to a you know, psychiatrist if you're looking at straight at a diagnosis or maybe a counselor if he's gone through some stuff needs Talk to someone, and basically walk them through that process. Um, uh, so, you, do you know, get, you, you get have to really-
1: sorry, Matt? Do you get do? You, does that make you feel good? Like uh, you know.
0: oh, yeah, that's what you're doing it for. You know, like you've been there yourself, and now you know the system. You know, you you were once lost in the world of psych wards and doctors and mm. other sick people in hospital and now you can shortcut this for old mate who's going through it all rather than Mm. the the guinea pig getting shot around like in a pinball machine not knowing what the hell's going on you can you know cut that learning curve and and help them sort of get better quicker Mm. and easier and i and that's
1: i think that's exactly you know with me i I want to help people as as as, like to the core of my being. That's all I want to do. That's all I want yeah, to do. Yeah,
0: that's cool, man. Especially for someone in the twenties to be yeah. already delving into that. That's that's uh, very noble. It,
1: yeah, it's, I it's weird. No matter, I don't really care how I do it. I I find it's very altruistic, and I think altruism for most people, you know, being of service of people. Anyone is going to bring you out of whatever it is. I I found, you know, with my personal um, endeavors, you know, especially with Liam, you know, he'll listen to this and he'll know. You know, being there for him gives me. (laughs) being (laughs) being there for him and being not just Liam. I think, especially with having this podcast, having people ask me how do you get out of it with the d- depression anxiety i can help with but not with you know schizophrenia bipolar anything like that and, and and that's okay you know but i'm also not a professional yet so i can't i can only go from my own experience but when people come to me and ask and i can give them that you know this is what i did might not work for you but if it does i'm so happy it did that gives me this sense of meaning And that's another one that I want to touch on is meaning, having that, especially in my generation, there's a lot of people aimlessly walking around, um, especially with depression. People don't, what I've seen, a lot of people don't have meaning. They don't have something to attach themselves to, not to be a better person, not to be a multi-multi-millionaire, but to have that meaning in their life. And I read a quote Well, this morning, you know, for those who don't find meaning, find pleasure. Mm. And that's where that addiction sort of side comes in.
0: (laughs) Um, Yeah, you could spin that either way, couldn't you? Yeah, exactly. It can be a good thing, but it could also be damaging. Mm.
1: Um, So, yeah, I think, you know, and it, it just goes to show, and I'll keep saying it again, is for you, for what you've been through, to now go, yep. This is what I want. I want to help people. I want to get people through that. Just goes to show who you are as a person. Like really, you know, from an outsider looking in, it go it. It shows, man. Like you. No one deserves. No family deserves. For that to happen, no one. But it did. Yeah. Unfortunately, that's just how it played out. And and look what you're doing
0: now. So yeah, appreciate it, man. No. Um, Uh, yeah, and uh, what was going to say? I think the first point was, yeah, you're definitely right. The importance of not, um, sort of uh, like overestimating your own knowledge, like saying, okay, look, I'm just a first year psych student, I can give you a, a, a sort of ballpark support, but these are the qualified people that will you know give you professional help.
2: Yeah.
0: yeah, I think that's really important to you know not sort of overqualify yourself and
2: yeah, the other oh. point
0: was like you're um able to help people on so many different levels. So, you know, when I was in psych I was shooting for clinical psychology, which is pretty insanely hard to qualify for, I discovered you have to be quite going into honors with like 80% plus grades and then you've got to do two years supervised practice and two years mm. masters and then you can call yourself a psychologist but you don't have to be that qualified to support someone you know like I did a two month TAFE course and and now I'm qualified to support someone on a different level mm. and that's just just as helpful in a, a different respect. Yeah I've the second part I can't remember but what was the last point you talked about?
1: <laughs> I think, I don't even remember. I'm going to have to...
0: Yeah, no, it was, it was sorry about... Oh, with pleasure. Oh, yeah, no, yeah, the goals. Um, when you were talking about people needing meaning, yeah. I think, it, you know, it can be really simple and that's a huge part of recovery is your goals can be tiny at first. Like, mm. you know, just get out of bed and make yourself a coffee. That's all you have to do for the day. Mm. You know, when you're in that really dark, sort of depressive place, and then and then as you slowly get better, you set bigger goals. Like, okay, I'll go outside and get the mail,
2: mm.
0: and then you know, a couple of months later, then you might be thinking about, oh, okay, what kind of work do I want to do, or mm. or you know, running group do I want to join? That sort of you know, and then you might get really good, and this is the bipolar trap because you start stable and feeling good again I'll take on five six different things but then you feel yourself you know slipping again okay I've got to cut these goals back
1: man I feel yeah. like I'm bipolar hey, what you're describing <laughs> it's,
0: it's yeah it's there's probably a, a sense of commonality there
1: yeah yeah right now I'm feeling very overwhelmed I'm gonna go see my psychologist again um and I think it's just a family thing, trying to balance. I, I keep calling it a chaotic balancing act, but it's really not. There's no, it's not balanced. It's not. I. It's just something that I've justified to myself as okay. It's really not. It's, you know, uni work. Could
0: I, can I uh, throw out a question?
1: Yeah, go for
0: it. You don't have to answer it, but have you been down the path of addiction and recovery?
1: 100%. Um, well, uh so the the listeners know my story, but for those who are new to listening, um, I, I suffered, I still do, alcoholism. Um, when, so I was 21, I, you know, my whole life, I've always drank excessively, never thought it was an issue. But it was an issue when I you know, first had Lily when she was first born. I was running a five-star restaurant at uh, QT when I was doing hospitality. I had the power. I was top shit, ego boost. And I would come in at 10 o'clock to start my shift for the, for the day. Shot. I could not work without drinking. I couldn't function. I could not be.
0: Why do you reckon that was?
1: Um, I didn't like myself
0: never did never have um still time pardon but at the time when you're working and doing that why at the time
1: it was to give me a false sense of uh false false sense of confidence because I I'm as much as 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 everyone knows who I am I don't even know who I am to be honest it's still a work in progress and you know, on the on the outside, I'm extroverted, but really deep down, I'm an introvert. I don't I don't like being around people. I get very anxious around people. That's why you know this modality of podcasting. You know, it's one on one. When there's a lot of people around, I can't. I, I I just it just doesn't sit with me. So with alcohol, that was my escape.
0: That's always been my escape. Um, yeah, and it helps you be social and be around people.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly it. it uh, I can be around people I'm comfortable with, but, you know, in the grand scheme of it, I just, and that's a trauma. And this is legit. I was, I went through this with my psyche a while back. Growing up as a kid, especially in Palm Beach with, um, you know, a lot of the, the hood gangsters, as you want to call it, you go to a party and you'd be very worried someone didn't have your back you'd always be worried looking over your shoulder just in case someone was going to try start a fight or whatnot and that was pretty much everywhere you went i was always scared of uh of people i was just scared of people um and that's that's just sort of manifested itself into what what who i am now and i'm still working through that um but yeah especially with addiction it it, it stem it, it it's for me, it just comes from the dislike. It I didn't like myself and I liked myself better when who I was when I was drinking. Because I was cool. I was a cool guy. When, you know, I had a silver tongue. I could talk to people for hours. I, I had that charm that I'm known for. But then as soon as I come off it, it was sort of like I'm this deep human being. I that person, two completely different people. And to this day they still clash i still want to have that drink i still want to go out and get shit-faced because then i'm you know people will like me better and and it all stems from you know just not liking myself it's just
0: and yeah yeah that's that's informative for sure um so what do you do now to try and find that balance like you were talking about um rather than you know, trying to take on all this restaurant management and drinking the deal with it, like you've obviously got a lot of motivation, but it spills out into extremes. Uh, what do you do oh, yeah. now to, to uh, I'm, the, yourself?
1: I'm the person that's supposed to be interviewing here? <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, this, this is this is good, I could finally talk uh, about it.
1: No, no I'm,
0: I, I, I know I what you're asking. into my psych boots.
1: Um
0: no more questions
1: Look, after this. The, the, the thing is, I I found running. Running was running is the thing that keeps me sane. Running's my new alcohol. Um, ultra running's my new alcohol and drugs. Um, and,
0: you know, okay, no, no more questions. No, no, I no. no just I can't see you going at it. If that's like a healthy addiction, you don't think there's anything um, you know harmful about that. Like obviously it's good for your body, but is your mind. Balanced? It's
1: the only it's the only so place. My last question. It's the only place I can find tranquility. It's the only place where I can be myself, especially, you know, for me, I'm I'm someone who loves to be in nature and alone. I do a lot of my running alone. I like being alone, but yet I want to be around people. You know okay.
0: if that makes sense. It yeah. sounds like a great self care method. And that's day? what
1: it is. You know, I love being in, in the bush, in the mountain, by myself, trekking where no one's been before or just when there's no one around. Yeah. But I also want to have a companion to run with to experience that experience with me. Um,
2: But, yeah, it, have-
1: self-care is the biggest one that I, I do struggle with still to this day. Um. You know, past past couple of weeks, I've been struggling with it just because I'm so balls deep and all in on uni and and my studies that I've gone tunnel vision for everything else that really matters. And I'm trying to fit in the family time, I'm trying to fit in everything else in between. And you know, oh balance, balance, balance. Social media will tell you that, you know, you've got to do this and got to do that. But it's that's why I've taken a step away from social media for a bit. And I still haven't found that with myself yet. And I, it's a tough one with me. And I think it's a tough tough one with anyone. You know, we still got to figure out what self-care is without, for me, it's going for a run. But I don't want to
0: hurt people in the process of that. If that makes mm, sense. Yeah, it's tricky, isn't it? Because well, I see three things there. like number one, like especially for me, the health my health has to come first before mm. everything because if my health's not good, I'm no good to anyone. Mm. And then number two, you guys have such good sort of walking and running uh, terrain over there, the rainforest, you know, mm. like the Dane tree. yeah, up near Cairns it's beautiful. Um, and then number three, um I've completely forgotten. <laughs> 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 but no, self-care, um, yeah, it's that's the um I guess maybe one of the harder things about it is you need the time and effort. But that again, just you start small, get a little lava lamp. Mm. Just something to stare at, keep your mindful, like that's self-care. And then but take a walk through the forest Um but like you said, when you're juggling so many things, you need wife and kids, um, there's not much time left, and, and you might and be exhausted. The effort, so just you know, start small.
1: It's um it, it, again, I and I, I want to tell everyone that listens to the podcast is that you know, I have not a, a massive issue of mine is I, I get seen as someone who can't hurt. You know, I've what can't I hurt, hurt. Yeah, you know, I yeah. I people look at me as this. You know, I've I've got my shit together, got a good job. I'm studying psychology. I've got two beautiful children. I've got a you know a nice house. I've got a beautiful partner. On face value, wow! I want to be like that. I want what you have. But in reality, it's like
0: I'm still- sorry. Eminem lyric just popped in my head. I've got a beautiful wife, kids, and a gorgeous home. Why would I jump in the tub with the the cordless phone? <laughs> I don't <laughs> even want to bring up those birthdays. Those- <laughs> Perfect you know, on the surface, but you, no one's going to see what's underneath. And that's the scary part. Because
1: Exactly. It's, and it's, it's, it's sort of walking it's, around. It, it's all, you know, wow, can you, you're, doing, you're doing so well. It's like, uh, no. Like, to me, I'm still a fucking mess of it. Like, I'm still got so much yeah. shit going on up in my head that I'm trying. Yeah. On the surface, it's smooth sailing. But underneath that, just underneath, it is rough seas. I'm trying so hard in so many different areas and you know and that's where people like you come in to people you know not not for me personally but for someone like me you know i get to go talk to a psychologist or someone who is suffering they get to talk to you they get to they get to be helped by people like you and people like my psychologist and and that's the beautiful part and i found a lot of people who do this social work and whatnot uh, i've got a few friends that do it they've all come from really 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 shit backgrounds they've had some things happen to them
0: that you yeah know, well you it just... gives you that empathy you know mm. um because you know that's just set off a light bulb in my head because you know you you hear the sort of phrase of wearing the mask when you've mm. got these mental health issues but you've got to go to work you've got to put on a smile and you put on your mask to go to work and i guess when you're sharing a story like i am you you're Taking off that mask, and people mm. can relate to you because you're genuine. Mm. Uh, so, you know, the amount of people walking around wearing that mask, like you're saying, like everything on the surface is perfect, but behind the mask, you're struggling. Mm. Uh, that's where, you know, someone taking off their mask and sharing their story can really help.
1: Even like doing this on the podcast, and I hope a lot of people and my, you know, you guys as the listeners can take something away is that you know i've said in previous episodes that we're all fucked up we're all fucked up we're all all every single one of us that you think has their head screwed on and you know it, it wouldn't surprise me you know and it's probably the truth you know you people from the outside in looking at you releasing this book like wow you've you've, you've wrote a book amazing you know you must have your you must have your shit together and it's like, oh, no, maybe, I don't know. Like, yeah. probably, if, you know. If, if only they knew. Exactly. And, <laughs> and, and I think that's where kindness, just being that little bit more kinder to the people around you, especially in this day and age with what's going on, you know, it's not like it's probably not. Oh, I don't even want to start that conversation. But, you know, we had it tougher when it was back then and, you know, it's tougher <laughs> now, You know, it's, that's not why I'm going to go with that. But I think we've all got to be that little bit more kinder to one another on social media, on, in real life, anything, um, to just get by because we're,
0: we're all fucked. We really are. And Yeah. And- I think it's important we try and quantify that. Sorry. <clears throat> Because it's, you know, it's one thing saying, "Yeah, let's all be kind to each other." It's mm. definitely going to help, but you know, how do we do that? How That's do we? How are we going to quantify cool. that? We're all still going to figure that. Like, out do that. we go give some cupcakes to a neighbour, or do we uh, compliment someone on the train? Um, you know, I think it's important to go beyond the mm. phrase and uh, rule of thumb. I'm,
1: I've can hands down say I live by, if I think it's right and I think it's the right thing to do, do it. For example, uh, there was this lady, oh, this is about two, three weeks ago, gorgeous smile. She would have been mid-40s, mid-40s, Um, very young. Yeah, mid-40s, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, mid-40s. And she was just in it. She looked happy. She looked vibrant she you know she was wearing a nice sundress or whatever it was and you know,
2: watched,
1: oh no, no no, like no <laughs> she she was she wasn't a, a, I wasn't a, a dog
0: ass
1: mate um but I, I looked at her and I just said you have such a beautiful smile and her face was like oh my god like thank you so much to me that was the right thing to say you know, I didn't want anything back. I didn't want any more interaction with her. I just wanted to say that, and it felt
0: good. For the rest of the day, I felt amazing. You know, I'm sure I've said that to people on the Gold Coast, and they told me to fuck off. <laughs> but that was a nightclub.
2: Oh, <laughs> man.
0: Okay. For yeah, right time, right place. Right, yeah.
1: Um, you know, I've, I've said this in a prior prog- uh, podcast, is every now and again, if I go through the Macca's drive through you know and someone's order behind me, I'll pay for their it, it's so simple. Yeah. But I pay for that. And, and yeah. it's that to me is you don't have to do that all the time. That's not I'm not saying go out and pay for people. But yeah the rule of thumb is if I think it feels good for me, not them. If I think it feels good for me in the sense of I I've, I've done something good, then it's the right thing to do. If I see someone yeah. you know who's dropped all their shit on the ground and whatnot just be kind and help go help them because that helps it's that Ooh. altruistic um you know style of doing things you, you see the guy who's broken down on the road and he needs a push in the car you know oh do, do I get out and help him no go out and fuck if you th- if you're questioning if it's right or wrong it's the right thing to do
0: because go do it yeah i you think know. you've nailed it man like it's little things that you don't have to do that's going to make you and someone else feel better like um yeah. It's like um, the right things, again... It, like, you know, letting someone into traffic or, uh, you know, holding a door open for someone, just little tiny things that you don't have to do, but it doesn't take much effort. And it's, you know, they're, they're, all these little things add up, I guess. So here's one point.
1: Put your shopping,
0: <laughs> shopping trolley away. Yeah, but then it, there's always that annoying person says, no, I'm creating a job for someone, which is actually true. Uh, oh. So that's that ongoing debate. Man, but, the, yeah, yeah. I'm, a trolley, I'm a trolley put away person. But, it's, uh, it's, but it's I both think small, it's, it's arguable.
1: Yeah. It's, it's the small things in life that we question whether we should or shouldn't do is usually, usually we should be doing it because it's going to help someone yeah, else. Yeah. And when you do it, you feel good, you know. Don't leave your, your table at a restaurant messy as fuck. Oh, it creates a job for someone. But it also is, you know, being in <laughs> hospitality space, It if someone's sort of helped to clean up everything, it just makes your life a lot easier.
2: Yeah. Uh,
0: you know, there's two sides. To yeah, one's just popped into my head, that I've definitely appreciated it as I've gotten older. Is when I'm out in the surf, I'll give someone away. Yeah. It's my turn. I've been waiting. Mm. Ah, this is mine. And then... I see like a grommet or an old man that just has that eagerness in his face mm-hmm. like he wants it more than me and I'm so uh, go man mm. and I have the patience now to to get more out of that than catching away wave myself and 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 then he's got to wait for another one and mm. yeah you know, little things like that can yeah you know, spread the kindness
1: and it's that simple as you said I think with anything yeah. it's the small things in life it's not this massive Here's five thousand dollars to the checkout chick, or it's just <laughs> tiny, tiny incremental things that we might not think will have an impact on someone's day. Yeah, you know, um,
0: they're, yeah, they're interesting. Them. Some of those sort of, you know, clout grabbing kindness um, uh, yeah. videos you see, like they're filming themselves, selfie giving a homeless guy like a hundred bucks, or <laughs> or giving him some food, and. You like well? Hang on. Are you doing this for kindness or for the likes? There's You're a, there's a few people line.
1: on there that you can you can you, you just you just know the difference between these guys. Like, yeah, I think this guy MD Motivation. He um, he gives. You can just tell he's doing it from the heart, and the only way he can give the money is because people, you know, pay for his 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 gear or whatever, and he gives that money back. But then you've got the guys who are yeah. You know, taking that step further and going subscribe to my channel. It's like you're not. It, you just see yeah, It's not
0: a good look. Like, it, anyway, the heart might be in the right place, but mm. to tread the line.
1: So you know, to pivot this and sort of, you know, change gears, come down from this. Because um, I think we've got a couple minutes. Yeah, it's doing it again. Um, yeah. you know, <laughs> what's next for you? What have you got anything in the works? Are you, you know, what what what's what's the plan for Brett now? What yeah, where that's, are you heading? What are you doing?
0: That's an interesting uh thing. You don't even because, have to do yeah.
1: anything. You know, Sorry? You, you don't, you know, I'm not saying you have to have this, you know, amazing answer of what you're going to be doing if you don't want to do anything. Yeah. That's fine. You answer yeah. how you feel is necessary.
0: Yeah. So I guess. You know the last two years has been this ongoing lead up to publishing this book. Yeah. and now that it's done, uh, there's a void there's yeah. there's no big project in my life. like I've structured my life this awesome life. I'm so happy when I wake up in the day. It's like you know I'm not grinding yeah. thirty five hours a week doing disability support now. I do just, you know kind of like ten hours a week and i'm i'm, I'm I'm doing fine. I can um go surfing, I can stay at home and cook and I can go hang out at my girlfriend's house uh, when I'm feeling up to it. And I've just noticed like in the last week, I guess because all the book stuff has sort of come, you know, near the end. Yeah, you know, now I'm just doing the fun fun stuff, the podcasts, um, getting feedback, but I can feel this little niggle in my mind. It's like what's the next big project you know because Mm -hmm. i think it's really important to have sort of a an ongoing goal
2: Mm.
0: you know like i have little goals each week like maybe i want to you know go for a big shot do a cook uh go surfing on friday go see my girlfriend on saturday and week to week goals but i you know i'd love to write that's such a passion of mine, but it, um, I'd like to be in a better financial position to just be able to sit back on a balcony and just right away. You know, I've started a sci fi, I've got ideas for a biography of another surfer, and mm. that I don't think is going to happen until I'm in a better financial position. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I'm kind of just leaving it out there, you know, see what comes back in with regards to a big project because yeah. I guess it's been there for two years and now suddenly there's that void of mm. what's going to be next, Yeah. You know? So right. see what happens.
1: I'm a little bit excited about it. I'll see be good. I, I can see you writing another book or something along those lines. Um, now to end this and, and, you know, level it all out. What is something you can give to, you know, a, a quick sentence or something that will help someone going through a manic episode, depressive, any episode at all, you know, to the person who has been dealt a shit hand of late, to the person who is completely and utterly suffering, what is something we can end this on and give
0: them as a gift? Well, I think if someone was in a manic episode, they would have tuned out in the first five minutes because you can't be <laughs> <it so> still. still. <laughs> um, but for anyone that's made it this far, I would just say, you know, do things that are gonna slow yourself down, you know, make yourself feel
2: mm.
0: mellow. Uh that's the most important thing, you know, stability. So just little things that are gonna make you feel comfortable and help you, you know remain stable mm-hmm. so that you can do you can hit, you know, go towards the goals that you want to achieve. Mm. Cool. Yeah. well
1: i think we've only yeah we've only got a couple for some reason i don't know why zoom does this but it's now i think a 40 minute interval thing um but yeah look i just want to say thank you so much for taking time out of your morning such i I forgot you were on perth time um, yeah
0: i'm amazed i'm up this <laughs> early.
1: yeah look I, I really appreciate you doing this with me i really appreciate you know over the years being in contact and um you know just being a part of one another's lives through th- literal thick and thin um and yeah just seeing one another grows i think that's a it's a beautiful thing it really really is
0: yeah it's wild but it, you know i think I last time i saw you was four years ago hmm. you know where did those four years go especially you know in the current climate of pandemics and whatever else but yeah looking forward to come back over the Goldie one day and we'll
2: go for checking out
0: the Wag and the 4224.
2: What
1: oh, up? Yeah. <laughs> all right. Cool, man. Thank you. Yeah. Again. Thank but, you for, for doing this. And um
0: Yeah, we'll no, I always can yeah, keep it going, man. Although you're doing a lot of this just off your own back voluntary. And yeah, that can take some effort. So I'm giving you all the uh support and motivation I can to keep going because you're onto a good thing. Mm-hmm.
1: Thank you very much, brother. All right,
2: peace.